It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. This Bengals team is better than the Bengals team that went to the Super Bowl last year, but down three starting offensive linemen, might the offense start to resemble a little bit stylistically what we saw last year. We'll break that down, plus some guys stepping up on defense. You are Locked On Bengals, your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast. I'm your host, Jake Lisko, joined today by Mike Santagata at Bengals underscore Sands on Twitter, writing for allbengals.com, podcasting at always game day in Cincinnati. Is that right? Do I have that right? Lord, my loyal listener, Jake Lisko, got it right. Yeah. <laughs> always game day in Cincinnati, competitor to Locked On Bengals, of course. <laughs> We're available free and available everywhere you get your podcasts and on YouTube. So make sure you hit that subscribe button on YouTube as the Bengals continue their playoff march or hit the follow button anywhere you get your audio podcasts and will be delivered to your devices daily. And you can join the first listen club with all the other Bengals fans who listen to the Lockdown Bengals podcast brought to you today, by the way, by Bet Online, who has you covered this season with more props, odds and lines than ever before. Bet Online is where the game starts. Mike, let's start today with the offensive line. Down three of those starters, as I mentioned, and it's starting to show itself, right? Jackson Carmen at left tackle, not ideal. Akeem Adenergy at right tackle, we thought was survivable based on week 18, was not quite as strong in the wild card game. And Max Sharping has a lot of experience, but could have played a little bit better. I think at right guard as well, this offensive line kind of throwing the Bengals back into three-step drop back world. What do you think? You charted the game. Was it a reversion to the quick game? Is that going to be what's required? Oh yeah. All right. Anyway, I did the numbers. If you want to go do the numbers, do them yourself. I, I I have a difference between quick game and a three-step drop quick game. You know, three-step drop, you're, quarterback footwork stuff here i've watched a chad pennington video anyway but you know you're going to actually take that step back crossover and then final step and you can even hitch on that you don't hitch on quick game never hitch on quick game so quick game is still sometimes three steps because it's just kind of like but it's it's more so like a one step or like a step and turn type thing it's not like a true dropping back three steps and also there are concepts I consider quick game stick, uh, slant flat, double slants, uh, those type of spacing. So go balls. Sure. Uh, although a lot of go balls are actually three step drops in my opinion. Not, not like true quick game. Like okay. quick game to me is 
short as well. Like I feel like Burrow sometimes is throwing those <laughs> yeah, in one quick game. Man, but, the 2021 playoff showed us you can throw a quick game go ball. <laughs> yeah, that's right. But uh, yeah, so um, th- 23 passes in the first half. I'm including anything with a penalty because I didn't. What matter? What difference does it make for this? Really, they'll be excluding something I, that was called. So six quick game out of twenty three in the first half. That's only twenty six percent. I feel like that. I don't know the exact numbers for everybody, but that feels like somewhere close to average, right? Like if you told me twenty percent is the average quick game, I go, yeah, sure. And you know the Chargers and the Bengals are up around twenty five, somewhere around there. Five five step drops. This is the big one, which is twenty one point seven percent of the pass attempts. And then they had two RPOs, a screen, and then eight three-step drops and a play-action pass. So the eight three-step drops are 35%. But we're just going to focus on the quick game real quick. So 26% quick game in the first half. Jonah Williams goes down basically right at halftime is that whole thing. Second half, 10 pass attempts of quick game on 18 pass attempts. Mm. 55.5% of the pass attempts were quick game, not three-step drops. I have three-step drops. They ran five three-step drops which is 27.8% of the pass attempts in the second half. And I'm including both two-point conversions, which were both quick game. I know the one he, like, does a whole thing. They wanted stick flat there with a jet. Like, he wanted to take one step and throw the flat route, but the Ravens covered it, so went and made something happen. One five-step drop, and it was the play that Jackson Karma gave up a sack. Like Immediately. Immediately. And, and like they were still giving up sacks and pressures in the five step drops in the first half, but like it, they were also hitting things and they felt comfortable running that. So mm-hmm. you're talking about over half of your pass attempts are quick game. That sounds a lot like last year's playoffs. And I know there is quite an opinion that Jackson Carmel was fine and he was better than expected, but that is so protected. <laughs> that is. That is, you are not actually going to have to pass set here. And when he did, was asked to do a five-step drop pass protection, like a true pass protection situation, gave up a sack. So that that's, I think, where the opinion gets a little inflated on him. And I don't think the running back was trying to chip there, although the broadcast said that. So, yeah, what does that sound like to you with the 56% quick game after 26% in the first half? Sounds like... Joe Burrow is going to need to continue to play at a very, very fast pace to to keep this passing offense going. And I think it goes through the passing offense. The run game, you know, there are a few nice plays, and we can talk about some of them if we have time here. Crunch, one that we talked about last week, beautiful, the pistol-wide zone that I know you tweeted about, really nice. So they had a couple pieces that were really good, but overall – the run game doesn't look like it's going to come save the day. So it is, I think, going to be on Joe Burrow. And we'll talk about Joe Burrow uh, in a few minutes because I thought he played really well. And we'll talk about why he played really well. Uh, before we get there, though, Mike, let's talk about some of these individual linemen, those three that stepped in. I mean, we talked before we started recording, Kalias Campbell looks like 10 years younger, prime <laughs> Kalias Campbell absolutely dominant in the trenches. The tackles both had issues after Jonah Williams went down and Jonah Williams had his own issues in this game, not to absolve him entirely. That's not the point, but he's not likely playing next week. So we're going to focus on Jackson, Carmen, Hakeem Adenogy and Max Sharping. How did you think those guys played? What, what would your assessment be in terms of projecting them for this bills matchup? Okay. Um, varying levels of not good. <laughs> All right. Uh, very good. Next question. Yeah. No, keep going. but uh, yeah. 
So Hakeem Adonji, I feel like you could have some faith in a bounce back, right? Because he played at least fine the past two times he was asked to play this year at right tackle. This game was bad. Like, it wasn't good. Let's just call it what it is. But even in the limited plays in that Bills game, he was solid. Like, mm-hmm. he didn't allow a single pressure. He was holding his own against their best pass rusher. Like, that, that that's what you're hoping for. The issue is now, instead of just one guy, you're like, oh, I hope that guy steps up because he's an unknown there's two more and whether that's Carmen or Prince or whoever is going to play left tackle, or it could be a Denigy with some type of weird flip. Um, but I don't think Sharping played well. Um, I don't think it was, I wouldn't list it as a disaster. I thought it was just the normal level of bad, not good, <laughs> below average. Whatever you want to use for that. What's the, what's the nicest way? Tough say? game. Tough game. tough game, tough game against Calias Campbell. That's right. That's the way I'll frame that. Um, because the Bills don't have a guy like Calias Campbell. They've got Ed Oliver. They've got uh, they have Daquan Jones, I believe, yes. who had who really flashed on a couple plays. They've got just a few guys like that, and like that, you know, that's great. Those are guys they can flash and they can win reps. Calias Campbell is like I don't know. I want to say thirteen, but I'm probably wrong. Year veteran. <laughs> <laughs> who he's going to dominate guys without experience. And then I know Sharpie's had experience, but not like that much. And yeah, he, he, he had his way with the entire interior. Um, he, was, he was ragdolling people. Like we, yeah. we have the fun reps of, of, you know, Logan Wilson laying out Linderbaum and DJ reader tackling a running back with Linderbaum. Yeah. But Kalias Campbell was doing that to pretty much everybody. Uh, the, luckily, the, they won't see an old man strength Kalias Campbell next week. <laughs> right. These guys are young. They haven't developed that old man strength yet. Yeah, that's um, right. The, the one rep where the, they barely got the first down with P. Ryan. It was like the third mm-hmm. play of the game. Yeah. Sharping literally gets thrown aside, and Cl- Campbell's the one who makes the tackle, but Sharping comes in and pushes them both over. <laughs> the Which, great second reaction. Good save. Good right? save. That's a great way to make up for it. Um, and then Carmen, I think, is the elephant in the room of, I don't think he played well. I don't think he was the worst lineman on the field, but he was very protected, too. Like, if you want to say Adenji or Sharping were the worst ones on the field, they also had to block those five five-step drops in the first half. They had to block more three-step drops in the first half. That was eight three-step drops to five, and that's that's not even much. That's <laughs> a ball should be out in two and a half seconds, but it is more than the quick game, which is out there in like two seconds. So they, they really protected in that second half. It really felt like they kind of turtled up a little bit of like, we can't run the offense anymore. And that just light ball going off in the head of like, Oh, this is exactly how I felt like the Bengals felt in the playoffs last year where we can't actually run our offense. Like we have to protect these guys so much. And that doesn't mean you can never, push the ball down the field. Obviously you can 2021 playoffs showed that. And I think this team's better. Like th- even with the injuries, I still think this offense is better as a unit because Burrow is a much better quarterback. So what are, is more well-designed and T and chase are both better players right now than they were back then. And Hurst can stretch the field a little bit more than Uzama was able to. But when you're looking at just the, the macro view, the big picture, it feels a lot like, it did in 2021 of like, they have to run quick game and they have to move the pocket and do these things to just make sure that the offensive line won't ruin the game with a nine sack performance. We'll stay on this topic coming up next, because speaking of nine sack performances, that's what the Bengals saw in the divisional round last year against Tennessee. And you have a stylistically there, there's some similarities with the Buffalo front. 
We'll get into some of that. In addition to Joe Burrow's performance and why there's some reason for optimism, it's not all doom and gloom. That's not the takeaway here. We'll get to that next. Today's episode brought to you by Ultimate Football GM. You've heard us talk about it before, the mobile game app that lets you take over your own professional football franchise. So if you're not happy about the way the Bengals constructed their offensive line depth this year, go do it yourself on Ultimate Football GM, and you can compete with other people in leagues, start a group with your friends, responsible, of course, for all the ins and outs of controlling an NFL franchise, including hiring the right coaches and coordinators, trading players, getting through that NFL draft. And we're not quite to draft season yet, but it is around the corner, coming in a month or so. Navigate your your team to the peak of the professional football league for Locked On Bengals listeners, you can get into a special competition and win amazing prices. So stay tuned for some details there. Locked On Bengals listeners get a 100% free boost to their franchise when you're using promo code Locked On in the game store. That's Locked On in all caps in the game store. You can access the game there or at ultimate-gm.com. Ultimate Football GM, start your dynasty today. This is David Harrison of the Locked On Commanders podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Discover. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. All right, Mike, so let, let's stay on the topic of offensive line and, and changing the way the offense is going to have to operate for just a second before we get to Joe Burrow because I'm thinking about those stunts, thinking about the the blitz percentages. I saw a good stat about this where the the – who had it? I think it was Andrew Russell where the, the Bills like to stunt and blitz at a similar rate to the Titans last year. Obviously, that didn't go well for the Bengals, the Titans' defensive front. Probably, definitely more talented than the Bills' defensive front that we're going to see this week. Uh, Much more disruptive. Had a better track record last year. Different kind of defense, though, stylistically, than, than the Ravens, who there's been a lot of talk this week, Mike, that they're a defense that schematically, from a personnel perspective, is probably one of the harder matchups for the Bengals in this postseason and the AFC side of things anyway. So they changed to be a quick game dominant team against the Ravens. Is that necessarily the case against the Bills? Is it going to be, you know, quick game stuff throwing underneath the whole game? Are there going to be those shots to scheme things up downfield? What do you think? I don't think the Bills front is as imposing as the Ravens front are <laughs> really even in the same tier since Vaughn Miller's gone down. I just, I see Miami hold up fine with Gregory Rousseau and Ed Oliver and these guys, They're, they are not wrecking a game and Miami is not starting a world beer at right tackle. Sam Hubbard put that guy into the ground. That's a really uh, bad offensive line. Actually. It's a, other than Teron Armstead and a little bit of Connor Williams and whatever you feel about Robert, Hunt, I guess left guard and right tackle are an issue on that mm-hmm. offensive line, like a big issue. Hey, does that sound 
not left guard, but you know, <laughs> you know, the right tackle that they didn't take advantage of it with Miami. And Miami does different stuff from the Bengals. They play a lot of RPOs, say, but they push the ball down the field still. Like Skylar Thompson was taking his shots. So I haven't watched that game back over, but when you look at what Miami's able to do against that defensive front, you could you could really build the picture here that the Bengals can probably do something similar here against that, at least be able to push the ball down the field at times. The five-step drop thing, I think you can get to more. I think you can get to more against Buffalo's front than you could against the Ravens. And I think you should, too, because Buffalo, they like to press their corners, I think, a bit more than Baltimore does. I think there's more opportunities. The Ravens really don't want to give up deep balls for the Mm. most part. Like there are opportunities and the Bengals took a few of those, but for the most part, they are going to play top down. You're staying in front. And that's why I think the Bengals ran so many stops and hitches and curls because if you're giving it to me, I'm going to take it. The bills don't do that as much. Like you can beat them over the top and plenty of teams have shown it. So in Miami with a leaky offensive line showed it, if they had a better quarterback play or better receiving Jalen Watt on the way, kept jumping for those, uh, they would have been able to attack them deep down the field. So I think you can get to some of these five-step drops. Now, you probably can't do as many as you wanted to, as you'd like to, but maybe you even get to a little bit of seven-man protection here, wad mm-hmm. everything up, especially these blitzes. Like, I'm still not worried about the Bengals facing a blitz. Stunts, yes, especially on the right side. Um, and even the left side now that Jonah's down because you don't have the communication. That's really what that's stressing. When you're bringing the stunts, you're going to stress the communication of that front, and it's all new guys. Uh, every piece other than Volson and Karras is not going to have the same love communication as it was five weeks ago. So if they're going to stress the communication, then that could be an issue. But if they're going to bring blitzes and even these creepers and Sims, I don't think are the best answer to this Bengals offense, because this was, I think a great point that I think was Nate Tice or Robert Mays, great podcast athletic football show brought up about Burrow just has, the insane spatial awareness. Like this guy has come out of the coverage shell. So Mm -hmm. while this guy's dropping, they're trying to squeeze over to it. There's an opening and I can throw that. And the same with blitzes. Like these guys have all come down. I know where I can go with this ball when it's an actual, they're covering every blade of grass. That's how you can get them because before he can find the opportune throw, they can get home. And that's that's what I think the issue for this could be. And the Bengals offensive line could give them that issue. But I just think the Bills front is not as imposing as what they just faced. Yeah, it'll be really interesting to see what the Bills approaches to this game because they're such a schematically different off defense, sorry, than than what the Ravens do in so many ways. But Joe Burrow playing at a really high level didn't have the gaudy numbers, didn't have the deep completions, didn't have the, you know, 50 yard downfield throwing with the flick of the wrist on the run or whatever. Though there were actually, if you watch a tape, maybe a couple opportunities for that uh, would have been really challenging. And I don't fault Joe Burrow for not pulling the trigger on those throws. But he, he his one deep attempt on the right sideline to T. Higgins could have been caught, could have been called a penalty, was pretty good in the intermediate part of the field, was, in my opinion, pretty darn good with his decision-making in that quick game of getting to the right spot quickly, especially that first, dra- that first uh, drive out of halftime. I thought really good for Burrow getting the ball to where it needed to be on time. As we talked about with him, right, all year, knowing who he is, knowing where the ball needs to go. Against a defense that has one of the few defenses, maybe the only defense this year that really can cause him to hesitate consistently and get him to reconsider as they change the picture really well. 
Uh, what did you think of the way that Burrow played in this game overall, Mike, despite the, the numbers being what they were? Fantastic. I mean, this was the – it has such a negative connotation, but it was like perfect game management. Um, Quarterbacking. Yeah, okay. Perfect quarterbacking. Uh, but yeah, like he does all the all the really good quarterback stuff, you know, like he's perfectly on time. He's per- pretty much perfectly accurate. Even the throws that weren't like 100% on the numbers, like the chase drop, hard catch. That's like, an accurate that, throw, I think. It's an like an overthrow it, it was where he's hit. It, hit, it was high burst. because he yeah. had to get it over a defensive lineman dropping. So he's yeah. like, I don't have time to hold on to this for him to get through the, to the next window. I'm going to put this where he can get it. And I know my guy can get that and just didn't come down with it. But was I don't recall very many inaccurate throws. I don't recall very many bad decisions, if any. Like, I don't think he ever put the ball in harm's way, I want to say. I don't remember any defender tipping the ball before, you know, like, oh, that should have been picked type situations. Um so, like, if you get that level of mind, you know, cerebral quarterback play to go with the ability to actually push that ball down the field because the offensive line can hold up and you're able to take those shots, then I think you'll get, like, these A-plus Burrow games that he's performed before. Um, I think he was at that – he was that locked in. He was he was going to give that level of game, but, you know, everything just kind of fell apart around him. So, I feel fine about him going as Buffalo though. Like when you look at what he did against them in the Monday night football matchup, he was like four of four, a touchdown. And well, I think he was over 10 yards an attempt. And when you watched it, you're like, Oh my goodness. Burrow is just processing this so fast. Like they try to bring a blitz, seeing the Hayden Hurst. They try to, you know, they try to play quarters and he's got Tyler Boyd out of post route in the end zone, easy touchdown. Like it just felt like he knew the answer to everything they tried to throw at him. Felt like the Bengals coaching staff had a better feel for how to deal with what Buffalo wanted to do on defense. And it's going to be interesting. Zach Taylor talked about this in his press conference to prepare for this game for both teams where they both have like this half quarter of tape, which, you know, they showed some things because they're expecting to play a game. But even in that game, you could also say, you know, both teams might be trying to protect some things, anticipating a potential playoff rematch, although that may be a hard argument to make. But Maybe a little bit more on Joe Burrow. Maybe a little bit more on this offense matchup against the Bills. We're going to get to the defense because I thought some guys really stepped up. Despite it not being perfect or necessarily pretty at times against the Ravens, I I thought that some guys did some things worth talking about. So we'll finish the show there next. Today's episode of Lockdown Bengals brought to you by Bet Online, your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. You can get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there from pro football, which, come on, we're in the playoffs. It's time to, to figure out your pro football betting. To basketball, they've got it all at Bet Online. They're the fastest and easiest way to get all of your sports betting info. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more at Bet Online, where the game starts. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. 
Mike, let's spend a few more minutes here on the offense really quick before we get to the defense as usual. We uh, we get a little bit behind schedule. Uh, that just is okay. That's how we do. Um, let's let's talk big picture offense defense matchup. You said you're not worried about Burrow. You're not as worried about the defensive front of uh, of the Bills. And of course, like you know, there, there's some good players still. We, we're not saying that those aren't issues at all. There will be plays made probably in the trenches by the Bills. They certainly have a matchup there that they're going to like. But coaching staff-wise, and even Burrow approach-wise, it felt like they had a really good feel for what Buffalo wanted to, wanted to do. And I know we didn't get to the, you know, Bills fans were probably saying, oh, the Buffalo DVOA on defense in the first quarter is awful and they're great from the second quarter to the fourth quarter. And we didn't get to see all those adjustments. And there will be a chess match, but... Big picture, do you still like this matchup for the Bengals' offense? I do, although I, I don't want it to sound like I think the Bengals' offensive line and these guys are going to dominate the Bills' front. Like, I just think they're not going to get beat as bad. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I like the Bengals' offense in this matchup. I, I think they can hold up. Um, if they don't, I think we know what it'll be. But mm-hmm. if you trust that the offensive line can hold up, then I trust this coaching staff and Joe Burrow to be able to put up points against this defense. There you go. On the other side, it's trickier, right? What what I've said, and I told you before we started recording all week, every time anyone's asked me about it, which is two or three times now, this game looks like big, big picture. You could say it might come down to Josh Allen turnovers, his, his ball security, which has been suspect all season, versus the Bengals' ability to protect Joe Burrow. Because both teams have the potential to be explosive uh, on, on offense and both teams have some flaws that can shoot that explosiveness in the foot. When Buffalo has the ball though, the Bengals defense, while it wasn't great, started to get, you know, they, they got the big game winning play that they needed, right? When they needed it, which is somehow this team's calling card, even if that's not something that's necessarily predictable or sustainable. But I was really impressed with the defensive depth the defensive line depth in particular. Akeem Davis-Gaither obviously comes off the bench and has a huge pick in this game as well. All over the place, we're seeing guys stepping up, in my opinion, on this defense. Linebackers continuing to play well. Jesse Bates now getting that playoff Jesse Bates-level performance, right? What, what were the big takeaways from for you from the defense? And I, I guess when I ask that, I'm thinking about insofar as, as they impact how you feel about the matchup with Buffalo. Yeah, so I don't think the Bills will be able to even really – they have they can. They have a fullback and whatever. I don't think they're even going to really be able to attempt to scheme Mike Hilton off the field the same way the Ravens oh. uh, were able to be a little bit successful with that in the first half because they were able to – they got the Bengals to think and put Dax Hill on the field to cover a tight end because they're thinking of the length and the height and the matchup there. They don't want the five foot nine corner on them. And they're thinking about, you know, in base, we want to get the extra linebacker, extra defensive lineman on the field. But in the second half, it felt so much more like we're going to match this one with Mike Hilton on the field because that's one of our best players and let's get him out there. Just – Reminded me of uh, the great. Uh, remember the Titans, where they pulled uh, Ryan Gosling off the field and sent out uh, Petey Jones uh, from Scrubs, <laughs> the, the running back. But it's just like, uh-huh. yeah, we got to pull you off. We're we're putting Petey in there because that was back because because they went spread or whatever. But you know, we're we're setting Petey out. That's that's Mike Hilton to me. Like that's Petey. <laughs> we're setting Petey out there, and then it just completely changed the defense. Like the defense went from. 
I want to say a bad first half. They were getting long drives and they mm. got the pick. But other than that, it was like long drives, touchdown, field goal into they gave up a long drive and then they got the huge fumble recovery for a touchdown on that. They gave up, but they're forcing punts there. And they, there were no punts in that first half. So they were able to actually get the Ravens offense off the field. That's just such a big one. And Mike Hilton was a big one, big reason. They were trying a bunch of different blitzes and stuff in that first half. And then they brought in Mike Hilton to run those same blitzes and he gets mm-hmm. a T, he gets a TFL. And he gets a sack that basically kills a drive because they run the ball on second and 20. (laughs) Get this on on the Mike Hilton splits. 27 snaps, 33% of those, nine of them pass rushing snaps, according to PFF charting. Talking about trying to find a way to get him onto the field and and using him creatively. Uh, That's an on-the-fly adaptation for this Bengals defensive coaching staff. And another big one that was pointed out by the announcers is Cam Sample getting additional reps. For Trey Hendrickson, he actually outsnapped Trey Hendrickson in this game, which I hope is nothing to do with Trey Hendrickson's health. That is a fear. He he did continue to play. He didn't like leave the game entirely or anything. So it could have certainly been a, a matchup thing. And he held up really well. Cam Sample and Zach Carter yeah. with this late season emergence. Tell me about these young guys on the defensive line. They're awesome. I, I mean, not only – the Bengals got very creative in the second half because it wasn't just Cam Sample replacing um, Hendrickson at times. They also put B.J. Hill on the edge yep. and had – basically bring back the Hill, package. who, by the way, played 60 out of 69 snaps on the defensive line. Yeah, because they needed him on edge sometimes. So it's like <laughs> him going to the bench turned into him going out wide and not having to take on double teams. Just, you know, take a single team. You're fine with this one. <laughs> you don't got to rush the passer. Uh, so, yeah, he, he was awesome too. And Cam Sample, this was almost like a breakout game for him to me. I mean, he, he was just beating all these blocks in the run game. And that kind of plays into his strength a little bit. I think he's a little bit more of a run defender than he is a pass rusher, more of the Sam Hubbard mold than the Trey Hendrickson mold, Mm -hmm. but they needed two Sam Hubbards out there because the Ravens, Trey Hendrickson's awesome. He is one of the best pass rushers in the NFL. Mm -hmm. He is not the best run defender. And it's just, you know, he doesn't feel the double team coming. He can get sealed off. Cam Sample gave way more of a fight. He had one rep where the the Ravens, because they have Tyler Linderbaum, so of course they can do this. <laughs> they run center tackle power or uh, counter center tackle counter. So the center tries to kick out the end, and the tackle is going to try to wrap through and get to the linebackers. Cam Sample not only destroys the Tyler Linderbaum kick out, he makes the tackle on it. Like they tried to kick him out, and he throws. Linderbaum aside and makes the tackle, or at least the first one there. He wasn't just piling on. Like he was first contact on a tackle, not for a loss because the Bengals defense gets a lot of zero yard gains and not a lot of these losses, but just awesome. That was way up there in the in my mind of these defensive linemen performing. And then yeah, Zach Carter's having his breakout but past couple games. Uh he was getting over top of reach blocks. It feels like the game's slowing down for Carter. I think mm-hmm. Sample has kind of had that, but for Carter early on, it felt like the game's just moving fast. And that's just, you know, SEC football is as close to NFL as you can get in college, but that is not the NFL and it's different offenses, everything. Zach Carter, it just feels like the game's slowing down because he can feel the double teams coming. He did the DJ reader drop to Anita anchor on a play and absorb that double team. He is getting over top of reach blocks and making stops. Just, he made, I think five tackles in the game and three of them were for two yards or less. Pretty incredible. Pretty pretty great game 
for Cam Sample. He's credited with, uh, let's see, where did it go? Two two stops for PFF, which is pretty good for, for a defensive lineman. Logan Wilson, though, had a pretty monster game himself, credited with uh, five defensive stops, obviously the big force fumble, giving, giving up only half of targets where he is the closest defender, which is, I believe, the way PFF charts this as catches. Had the linebackers play outside of the big play. that we, We've talked this big play to death, and it's great, and we'll talk about it again. We don't need to rehash that one right now. Credit Jermaine Pratt, Logan Wilson. But how did they play outside of that in this game? Uh, well, Wilson was awesome and got thrown. He had a pancake <laughs> on the interception yeah. return. Huge sure one, did. too. So, uh, yeah, he was awesome. And he was making stops. He's The only issue with the linebackers is I don't think they come off blocks super well. And the Ravens do a really good job of getting to them. Unlike um, it feels like most teams have issues getting to those linebackers because of Reader and Hill. Uh, so they didn't do a great job there. Everything else was awesome. When they were unblocked, when they were kept clean, they made stops. And uh, Pratt had my favorite play, other than the big one, the, my favorite play between the two, where he drops in a hook zone. It was uh, cover three. And so he, there's a guy that's going to – almost every offensive comp is similar. But there's a guy trying to clear him out, and there's mm-hmm. a guy coming behind it that's the target of this route, and there's eye candy underneath. So they want to put him in a bind, like run with that guy or take the underneath because so we can hit this. And it was at the end of the game. This was this was the play he made the big diving tip on. But everything before the tip is just as cool as the jumping tip because he not he gets in the window of the clear out and then falls off of that back into the window. It was a dig, a deep in route. He gets in the window of the deep in route, and then the ball is still thrown there because Huntley thinks linebacker is going to clear out. Let me hit the vacated space doesn't vacate the space, gets up there and makes an awesome play on the ball. Just has to be up there for, for reasons the, the Bengals won this game because that yeah. then I believe that then forced uh, – what was that then to second down, then the holding call, or was that third and 20? I don't remember which one, but it was on that drive. It was on the let's – they're not going to tie the game. They're going to try to win the game, but let's not allow the Ravens a chance to win this game. And That's he made great. a jumping tip in a really good coverage uh, drop. Yeah, there's a lot of guys you could talk about making plays in this game. J2 Fele had a really good run play where he gets a stuff. Akeem Davis-Gaither, obviously, the interception we talked about. Jesse Bates chasing down Tyler Huntley, keeping him out of the end zone. Von Bell on the on the next play, right? The, the one area that needs to be better next week is the outside corners. Can't have Eli Apple yeah. biting on a sluggo. Oh, because... it was barely a sluggo too, man. It was like a little, <laughs> just like that. And, <laughs> you you got to sell know... that a little more. <laughs> And, you know, like, I, I also kind of get it because you're not expecting the Ravens and Tyler Huntley to try to beat you on double moves, right? Like, that's not the mindset the corners are probably in in this game, but they probably need to play a little bit better. DeMarcus probably need to tackle a little bit better. Um, and, and you know, Stephon Diggs, Josh Allen, there's there's a different beast there. Got to cover every blade of grass. going to be a very different game defensively. Jesse Bates talked about it too, but – uh, you know, the things that you can take away from one game to the next, I think, are the defensive line, these young guys on the defensive line. If these guys can be dudes that are not just kind of like, all right, we need to get our starters some rest, they can actually go out there and play some solid plus football. That's huge. That's a huge development for this team, both in the playoffs and going forward. So that'll be fun to watch in the rest of this playoff run as well coming up next on lockdown bengals james rapine and joe joe marino from lockdown bills will have our 
Thursday crossover episode coming to you as we take our first look at the biggest stories and biggest matchups in this Bills Bengals sort of rematch, making up the game that wasn't in week 17. And that'll be the divisional round. That crossover coming to you next time here on Lockdown Bengals. So go find Mike at Bengals underscore Sands. Go find his podcast. Go find his writing. And he'll be back with us, hopefully, for some more film talk in the future. Until next time, Bengals fans, day and have a good one. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.